Supercars Gen 3 gets underway this weekend. The Newcastle 500, the street circuit down there in Newcastle. Looking forward to it. Timmy Hodges joins us now to preview. Tim, good morning. Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just about to text James. Go, what's going on over there? And uh, there you are. We've got Gen 3 supercars getting underway in Newcastle. Seems as though there was a bit of confusion about parity between the cars, and they only got formally signed off on in the last 48 hours. Uh, well, actually, yesterday. Can you believe that? So uh, less than two days out from hitting the track for the first time. It, it's an unbelievably exciting weekend, and um, they've actually hit it really well. There's no AFL football, for instance, mm. um, at all this weekend. So I think the supercars can make a real splash. And there's so much to look forward to, and there's so many unknowns, which is what you want in your sport. And this new introduction of Gen 3 race cars to the Supercars Championship is um, its a game changer. It's the biggest change we've had since supercars became a thing and replaced touring car racing and now is the new dawn for for Chevrolet Camaros and, and new Ford Mustangs. So 25 brand new race cars out there uh, on the tightest and twistiest street circuit that we have. So the return of Newcastle for the first time since 2019 after three years off with COVID. So uh, there's a lot of nervous race teams, a lot of nervous race owners, and it could be a very costly weekend, but it it could be absolutely awesome. I think it'll be the standout thing on of sport this weekend. And Timmy, is it possible to give a sort of a you know a potted summary of the Gen Three regulations and uh, the main features of them and how they have changed what we've seen in the past? Uh, it's basically, uh, and every other motorsport on earth is trying to make things more complicated, more aero, more aerodynamics, more wings. And, and I love the way that supercars are going to take all of that off. So they're trying to make these cars bigger, bolder, faster, and harder to drive. So they've got big, big bums where, um, so they're going to slide around a lot in the back. Um, drivers are already worried about once a car slides, um, it ruins the tyres. So they're worried that tyres are going to go off much quicker than they've ever gone off in their racing careers. So that's going to be a huge test. And the beauty of these cars is that the goal is that they're making them much more even and much, um, and when they're harder to drive, you can, you can actually get up much closer to the car in front, which has been the problem because supercars have gone the way of every other motorsport on earth, which is more aero makes it harder to pass. Mm. These things should be easier to pass and you should be able to get up the backside of your, um, the bloke in front of you much easier. So I know that's a really difficult one because Newcastle is a, is a difficult street track to pass on as it is, but I think you will see more passing certainly this weekend, but, but absolutely across the course of the season. The, the asterisk here is that no one has been able to test them thoroughly. So, um, they've had three test days each of the, the teams and these are brand new race cars. They've tested at either Winton Raceway, Queensland Raceway or Sydney Motorsport Park, which are all proper race tracks. And then they wheel out tomorrow on the most dysfunctional street circuit of all. Like After Turn 2 at Newcastle, it's straight up a hill over tram tracks. You're over curbs, which these cars have never been over before. The fast way it parts is to slap the concrete wall, which you know makes for an awesome spectacle. But these cars have never touched concrete wall before. So uh, it's going to be... It's going to be a trip into the unknown across the weekend. I was talking to a, a mate who works for the Walkinshaw Andretti United team, which has switched to Fords this year. They run Chas Mostert and Nick Perkett 
He said they haven't even... And spares are going to be the big issue, guys, especially on a demanding street track where you'll tear up front splitters, front bumpers, bonnets, boots, all sorts of things. And he said, we haven't even got around to making spare doors. We have no doors. So if there's an incident... And there will be, there will be all sorts of uh, panel damage across the weekend, but the Walkinshaw cars... Cars two and twenty five don't have any spare doors, so if if they have an incident, they'll be they'll be going to the panel shop trying to buy a Ford Mustang door to stick on it, and it'll be black for for Sunday's race. So yeah, it's going to be a it's going to be a wild weekend, and I, I absolutely cannot wait for it. So Timmy, just about the cars themselves, they do they arrive from the Chevrolet or the Ford factory, and where are all these the uh, the, the artwork, the paint jobs done? Do they arrive? nude or are they black or what's the situation well they're trying to make this sport um simpler and easier and cheaper is the biggest word but they're going to be stock chassis so if you're a chevrolet camaro so there's no more holdens no more holden commodores anymore in this sport i mean in this country really you can't even go and buy one anymore so if you're a holden fan you'll be cheering hopefully for the chevy the, the Chevrolet Camaro. So if you're one of those teams, you can go to your Chevrolet supplier, which is Triple Eight, the, the Red Bull team. They're, they're the homologation team. They will provide you with the chassis, and then it's up to you to, to buy the panels. All the panels are from the same shop, so everyone's getting the same gear, the same equipment. So the goal is to make this sport much, uh, much more even across the board and much more cheaper across the board. That certainly hasn't happened. These cars are late and are, are super expensive to get them on the track, but the goal is once they're racing, it will be cheaper. They'll then have a stock engine, so everyone really should be exactly the same because all of these engines theoretically should be exactly the same. So... I, I absolutely love what supercars are doing. They are an entertainment product. Yes, they're sport. Yes, they're business. But they know that entertainment has to be the key. They have to put on the best show on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon when, you know, I I hope you guys chuck it on Fox Sports or Channel 7 across the weekend and say, I'm going to give supercars a chance. I'm going to see what these new cars are like. And they've got to put on a great show. And that's the goal for this sport. So I, I absolutely... Kudos to them for, for what they're trying to do. They've copped a lot of criticism for it. Um, as I said, it's cost a lot of money. Uh, it could be it could be sort of wild and it you know, might be a bit embarrassing. That uh, I had another guy I was talking to from inside the sport said they're worried about parts failures and they're worried about 25 different parts failing failing on each of the 25 cars. There could be no cars finished on Saturday's opening race. Like It's just the unknown that... No one's been able to, you know, Formula One has never gone into a season where teams haven't been able to test their cars properly. Like This is basically going into a season where teams have had minimal chance, three days, to test these cars, to try and get their heads around them. And to be honest, they're not quite around them yet. And some of the drivers are absolutely the same. So, yeah, it's going to be, it's impossible to get a form guide here. Um, so, you know, honestly, who knows what happens across this weekend. It's really exciting. Tell you what, uh, yeah, we cover a lot of territory here on the Radio Tab Breakfast Show, Timmy, across a lot of sports. I've never heard of the homologation team before, Andrew. What about you? <laughs> uh, not recently, not until Timmy mentioned it. No. <laughs> it's a very much a new team, yeah, so, so they're the teams. So the Triple Eight team, uh, so that's the, the, the number one Holden team, which is now the number one Chevrolet team. 
and the Dick Johnson Racing Team, that's the number one four team, were both the homologation team. So they were the, the they were basically equipped with to go out and work these cars out to get them up to speed, to sort the aerodynamics on them, to uh, and then start to, to start building them. And, and that's basically what's happened. Uh, and then everyone has to then go and shop and buy their pieces from them, so that everything is the same for everybody. Who's the, who's the best driver on the grid? I mean, the best driver is the grid. It's no surprise. It's it's Shane Van Gisbergen, who has won the last two championships, the last two Bathurst. Like if if anyone's, uh, I mean, he's the logical person because in motorsport, the best always tends to get to the front of the grid and stand on the top step of the podium. I, I hope this mixes up results crazy that you've got a podium that you look at on the weekend and go, I'm not sure who any of those guys are. Like that's the goal that we want to mix up the results. You want different winners every weekend rather than one bloke winning every single event like you'll get with Max Verstappen in Formula One this year. So I hope the results are mixed and varied and wildly unpredictable because that's what you want from your motorsport. But um, I still think once Shane Van Gisbergen's out there, he is the best wheelman in that sport right now. His confidence is is sky high after what he achieved last season. So, you know, you would think he would be the man to catch, but uh, this could be all over the place results-wise. That's why there's three practice sessions tomorrow to try and get them up to speed, and then we go qualifying and racing on Saturday. So bring it on. Sounds great, actually. And if you're a younger driver in one of the smaller teams, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're realistically in with a chance. So uh, anything yeah, well, that, that, that is. That, that's a really good point, that, that some of the older, crustier drivers who are set in their ways, who have been driving basically the same car for the past decade, mm. have to learn a brand new way to go racing. So I think that does bring the mix in with the younger guys. I, I have heard with Van Gisbergen that he's he's pretty grumpy, that he doesn't like these race cars, that because it brings him back to the it brings him back to the pack. Um, and everything he has learned and he has been able to dominate in this sport since really Scott McLaughlin left to the USA is going to be out the window because it's a brand new playbook that they all have to learn. It's a brand new way to go about their racing um, and, and their brand new race cars to try and get your head around it. Um, how are they going to react on full tanks? How are they going to react on empty tanks? Like how difficult are pit stops going to be for, for the teams? They're going to be much longer stops. How are they going to react over, you know, these are first races are going to be 250 Ks on Saturday and 250 Ks on Sunday. Like, how are they going to be in hot and demanding conditions? Like, there's so many unknowns and we're going to all tune in and watch it. So it's going to be um, fascinating and it could be, I mean, it could be disastrous if there's part failures all over the place, but it could be great to watch. So I think it's going to be the, the best sport of the weekend. Timmy, uh, just 60 seconds till news time, so you've got to answer this really briefly. What went on with St Kilda and the leaked audio from the coach's box? Uh, well, I don't know, and I think St Kilda are trying to find out whether this was a deliberate um, deliberate mistake, or not a deliberate, uh, either a mistake by the IT guy or a deliberate ploy to put it out there. Um, I, I think they panicked like hell when they realised it was out there. They can't actually work out whether anyone's watched it. That's why it would have been a really awkward conversation for Ross Lyon to his players yesterday to say, to apolo- basically apologise in case any of them did hear it or in case it gets out, because I think the language was, I was, it was uh, said was fruity, and he was pretty honest. <laughs> and, That's a great old term, isn't it? He was pretty honest and brutal on some of his own players, and then probably some of the opposition players. So yeah, I think that's uh, a lot of red faces. And I tell you what, you would not want to be that IT 
guy at St Kilda today because the coach is going to be gunning for you. <laughs> Brutal language. Good on you, Timmy. Always a pleasure, mate. We'll catch up next week before the first game of the AFL. Yeah, and the supercars, hopefully it's, uh, it's awesome racing across the weekend on the streets of Newcastle. Oh, the cars look brilliant. Thanks, Timmy. Thanks, guys.